Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. Um, we're, we're, Dave and I have been chatting a little bit about today. Today is a, you know, the, the, the first of September. It's weird, isn't it? We're in the new era, into the autumn. Um, kids are back to school. Routine is back in, and most people are smiling about that. Most mums are smiling that the kids are back to school and routine's back in some shape or form. Routine is good, isn't it? It's good to get a little bit of routine in your life, and so. Um, and then next Sunday, next Sunday, Lord's Day, is the 8th of September. It's our actual birthday. So we're 23 years old. We started on the 8th of September, 1996, back in the home. And so next Sunday is our actual birthday, 23 years old. Um, so excited about that. And of course, we're going to do vision then. And so we talked, Dave and I were chatting a little bit about this with our team about pre-vision, and we've always tried to do something the Sunday before Vision Sunday to sort of light the fire, to motivate, to inspire in some shape or form, not to, not to shame or to guilt, but actually to motivate and inspire you to action as we go into a, a new season. So I want to read just one verse, just one verse this morning, um, uh, and we're going to unpack that a little bit. I have it on the screen um, but you can look it up and mark it in your Bible. I hope you do write on your Bible. If you do, it's a great idea. Um, I read it from my notes because I have it in the NIV and I'm reading the ESV. But it says, for we are God's handiwork. Some of the other versions, the authorized version uses the word masterpiece. You. You are God's masterpiece. Wasn't a cow. Wasn't a tree wasn't a mountain. On the second half of the sixth day, he left you to the last because he knew that the very next day he was going to take it off and he could spend it with you. And so he kept his masterpiece to the last. You are his masterpiece. One of the other versions uses the word poem. You are his poem written to be told. Beautiful, isn't it? Created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Let's pray and ask the Lord to unfold this verse to us in some shape or form. God, we thank you that we stand in, in, in a place right now where we're allowed to proclaim the gospel. We live in a country that um, allows us to meet publicly and worship you. And yet, as we've watched the last number of months unfold, we cannot but think the tide is turning. And so, God, we don't take that for granted, and we want to say thank you for it. And, Lord, we cry out to you on behalf of our nation. And, Lord, we pray for David and the team tomorrow night as they head up the, for the soul of the nation. God, we pray, God, we pray, God, that it just won't be a big crowd, but it'll be a big crowd on, the, on kingdom business, that it'll be a crowd of people who would cry out to God. And, Father, we know, according to... 2 Chronicles 7, 14, that you would hear that cry and heal our land. And so, God, that's our purpose tonight, and we ask you to come um, for that tomorrow night and ask you just to help us to unfold the word now in Jesus' name. Amen. I, I'm not sure about you, but um, 
Um, I have found myself lately, um, I found myself lately avoiding the news. It's kind of weird because it feels like, as I've watched the news, it feels like everybody's lost their mind. Feels like the world has gone nuts, doesn't it? From America to Europe to Britain, you name it, all over. And of course, we know that uh, Romans 8 tells us that even the world itself groans. When we look around, we see the atrocities coming around the world, earthquakes and tsunamis and all of that. And all of the political jargon and all of the physical manifestations of the earth show us very clearly that Jesus is coming back soon. It's, it's, it's in black and white. Just got to read it. It's showing us that Jesus is coming back really soon. And it makes me realize that, that the church, like never before, is the only hope of the world. It's not found in politics. It's not found in the economy. It's the only place it's going to be found is in the church of Jesus Christ. And it's a massive responsibility for the church to be the hope of the world. And, it is, and if you're in here today and you haven't been influenced by the Word of God and by the church, then you're in big trouble. You're in really, really big trouble. Because you are in danger of being lost. That's the danger. Because the church is plan A. And there is no plan B. It is plan A. And, and, and so the question that unsettles me over the summer, I wrestled with this question on and off all summer. What if we fail to be that? What if we fail to be the hope of the world at this moment in time? What if we miss our chance to shine our best for Him and for His glory? And so my great fear probably in saying that is that after 23 years that Emmanuel could just be a, a big church that hasn't actually produced great disciples. That would, be, that would be a failure. That would be a failure. And so someone once put it like this. They said, if we don't make disciples, we don't make sense. If we don't make disciples, we don't make sense. And, 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 and now we can't do everything. I know that we can't do everything, but what we do, we need to do well. And making disciples is by far one of the most important things that we need to do. And we've talked about this over the last year in the season and following Jesus in all of life has been all about discipleship. And we know that good discipleship needs to be reproducible, that if I disciple you, you need to be able to disciple others. You need to be able to take the model and do it. And that's why we've tried to simplify it. And so, um, and so as I say, we can't do everything well, but we, we can do some things really well. So I googled um, McDonald's menu, right? Um, like I googled McDonald's menu. This is about a quarter of it. It wouldn't fit onto the slide. It wouldn't fit onto one slide, all right? Now, let's face it. Let's face it. Nobody really sets out to go to McDonald's. So you, like, you don't say, let's go to McDonald's for dinner. McDonald's is one of those places you sort of see in the way I pass and go, oh, I'll go in there and get a burger because I'm going somewhere else. Or I'll go and get a burger on my way to get my dinner. You know, and isn't, it weird that, isn't it weird that McDonald's is one of those only places that you come, come out of and you're still hungry? And, 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 uh, and there's so much on their menu. And then, 
If you're like me, right? And have anybody been to Five Guys? In Craig Avon, anybody been to Five Guys? Come on, own up. Have you been to Five Guys? Put your hand up. Ah, come on. So, um, Five Guys, now, where do you see this? I looked up Five Guys menu. <laughs> That's it. They sell burgers. Now, they're going to cost you, but boy, you're not come out of it hungry, I can tell you that. And my first time that I went to Five Guys with Daniel, we got a burger and chip, and, um, and I said to the guy behind the counter, can I get a burger and a coffee? And so the guy does me my burger, go to the end of the counter, and he, he reaches me this milkshake this size. And I says, no, 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 it's a coffee. He says, that's a coffee milkshake, mate. <laughs> well, number one, it wasn't his mate. <laughs> and number two, so he was in the wrong foot right away. Number two, I didn't want a milkshake. So I says to him, uh, I says to him coffee, like hot coffee. Do you put milk in? He goes, don't do that, mate. So, um, so, uh, so we need to be clear. We do discipleship. That's what we do. And in this new season, what we want to do is we want to ramp up the ante on that. Because we, we, here, here's the thing. We don't want to be a cruise. We're not a cruise ship. Now, I've never been on a cruise, but I know some people who have went on a cruise. And they say it's the most incredible experience. You pay all your money up front, and then you can eat all you want and drink all you want at any time of the day. And a guy who was on a cruise ship that will remain nameless because he's here um, tells me that at midnight they did a buffet. And he thought, who in the wide world would want a buffet at midnight? He goes to, well, he did. He went to the, he went. <laughs> he goes to the buffet at midnight and two and a half thousand people wanted a buffet at midnight. So this is the thing. Because what happens is a cruise ship caters for the desires of the people, caters for the desire and the comfort of the traveler, all the mod cons. But we're not a cruise ship. We're a battleship. And in a battleship, there's no pool on the deck. There's no swimming pool on the deck. And I Googled this, actually. A restaurant on a, on a battleship, you know what they call it? They don't even call it a dinner hall. That's what we used to call it whenever we were at school. You go to the dinner hall. They call it a mess hall. Like it doesn't sound that exciting. Sure, it doesn't. To go to the mess hall for your lunch. So we, and sometimes I think there's a danger that we can think that the church just exists for us. But the church doesn't exist for us. And I hope this doesn't disappoint you or upset any of you. But our team don't sit early morning sometimes and late into the night thinking about how to make you comfortable. We have never done that um, because the church exists for the lost. It exists for the lost and the broken. Frank DiMaggio says this well, that the church is the place where we come and we refill and we refuel and we meet our brothers and sisters and iron sharpens iron and we get motivated and inspired. And then he says, we, we go out, we leak out into the creeks and the crevices of society to reach a lost and broken world. That's what we do. Now, whenever I was young, my family, my dad and some of my uncles formed a swimming club. It was called the Windsor Swimming Club. And we used to go to the swimming pool in Lurgan here in Robert Street on a Friday night, every Friday night. So all of my brothers, um, my sister and, and uncles, my dad and all, we went to the swimming pool. So we worked hard all week and then 
Um, that's what you did. We went to the swimming pool, and then there was a little chippy in William Street. It used to be called the Super Fry, and we went to the Super Fry, and you got a steak and kidney pie. That's yuck now, isn't it? I hate even the thought of that, but I do remember eating them, um, and a chip. Right. Uh, so, so my mom, my mom, in the days, you remember, did anybody here remember the days when you didn't have to sign a permission slip for your kids to do something? Anybody remember that? You know, you've got to sign a permission slip now for them to get their school dinner. You know, so there's no nuts in it or something. I don't know. But anyway, back in the day, before you had to sign a permission slip or, 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 or sign a disclaimer or anything, my mom said to my two oldest brothers, Nori and Alan, said, teach, teach your brother Philip to swim. So my mom always called me Philip. And so she says, teach your, teach your brother Philip to, to swim. So they took me to the pool and they taught me to swim. And this is how they taught me to swim. Alan took my feet. <laughs> Nori took my arms. And they counted three. One, two, at the deep end, by the way, 13 foot. And they fired me and they landed me out in the middle of the deep, the 13 foot. And I learned to swim really quickly. I'm a, I'm a quick learner. And, and they watched with intent to make sure I didn't drown, which was really lovely of them. They should have been sued for that. But, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. What we're doing this season is we're calling you from the shallow end. We're calling you from the cheap seats, as it were, into the more costly seats because, you see, discipleship's costly. And if you're going to do discipleship, you can't just sit in the cheap seats. You can't just wallow about in the shallow water. You need to move up into the deep water. And it's costly, as I said. And so, and so we need to understand that. Now, this is not my suitcase. But I did sneak it out of the house this morning while all were sleeping. Um, <clears throat> but and this year, I'm sure you've been on holidays or uh, uh, packed a suitcase. And what we want to do over the next season is give you some stuff to pack into your suitcase. Some things that we feel to take the journey of life to the next level that you are going to need to pack into your suitcase. Now, it's really important that we understand this because we would call these essentials. Now, what you're going to notice next week, we'll not take a lot of time on this this week, but our six, these have been our six practices along the wall for many years now, and we've taught in these. And what we've done over the last season discussing these practices, we've realized that we're, these are coming down, all right? These are coming down this week, and they will be, we're going to move those into the engine room. They're going to be our, our, the principles that we lead this church by, because we began to realize if, if discipleship's going to really be reproducible, striving for kingdom unity probably isn't applicable to everybody on the ground. Um, Training leaders probably isn't applicable to everyone on the ground. So what we did is we, we tried to come up with six words, and we couldn't do it. So we came up with, we call them six words, but there's actually nine words, all right? So we struggled a bit over prayer and worship, so we said, well, prayer and worship go hand in hand. Some thought generosity was a good word. Some thought hospitality was a good word. So we said, let's use both. Same with compassion. So six practices, really. And these are... These are going to be our bread and butter, and we're going to unpack these over the next three months, and Dave and I will take a bit of a go at this in our vision Sunday, but just to land them, these will be up along this wall next Sunday, hopefully, if all goes well. The plan goes the plan, all right? Um, and uh, 
The reason that we want to do this is the reason that we want you to pack these words into your case, into your spiritual psyche, is um, that if ever you're going to do something, you need a plan. They say that if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. And so the important thing for us all is that we plan. And, and none of this can happen without a plan. Some of you have already written out a meal plan for September. You're going to lose some weight, so you've written out a meal plan. Some of you have planned your kids' schedule. Some of you maybe are already planning your next summer holiday. We all plan. Everybody plans in some shape or form. And yet, the thing that shocks me mostly is no eternal plan. No, no, no thought about how are we going to get deeper into the things of God because that's what we want to do in this next season. We want to take you deeper. We don't want to just play church. We want to take you deeper, not staying in the shallow end, not still sitting in the cheap seats, but coming in. Now, listen to me. This isn't a, a tick box exercise. This isn't a, about ticking all the boxes because before we talk about the what, we need to talk about the why. Because this isn't about us putting something into your hand. This is about us instilling something into your heart, into your mind. Because if it's not rooted in your heart, it will never come to fruition in your hand. If these aren't rooted in your heart, there will never be fruit in your hand. And so it's really important that we understand that. And, and, and the important things about that is why, why would we do it? Why do discipleship? Why, why would we want you to grow in discipleship? Why would we? These are questions that we want to address. We want to try and put together a plan. And we're going to unfold for you a sort of a three-month plan. Not that we're going to talk about it today, but we'll talk about that next week. And next Sunday, we'll be doing vision at 9.30 and 11.30, not at 6.30. So we're inviting everybody to come out in the morning. So this is about you finding a rhythm whereby you ask, God, what are you grooming me for this season? God, what, what, what do you want me to be? Paul says you are his handiwork. Paul says you are his masterpiece. Paul says you are his poem to be written and told. God has written a story of your life to be told to the world, that you will be on display for God's glory, and you represent God on earth. So, so it's really important to find out who you are and whose you are. That's so important. Now, when I think about that, <clears throat> it sort of brings me back to the beginning of time, when God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit existed in community, there's a big Greek word for it that um, I'm not going to try and pronounce, but it means the, the same substance existing in, in, in three distinct individuals. And the, the old church fathers referred to this as the Trinitarian dance. And so we had God the Father, we had God the Son, we had God the Holy Spirit who were so perfect in, in, in mutality that this beautiful oneness, there was nothing that could defile it. This, this, this Father, Son, Holy Spirit, nothing was missing. They were sharing holiness. They were sharing joy. They were sharing fellowship, sharing peace. It was beautiful. It was, it was all edifying. It was all sufficient. It was beautiful, moving in such a rhythm of beauty. This triune God moving in such unity was so good. Now, have you ever eaten something that's so good that you want your partner to taste it? That ever happened? You taste a, a steak, you go, oh, hold on a minute, just set your knife and fork down, you're going to have to taste this. Ever, that ever happened? Or it happened when you're reading a book, you know, you're lying in bed reading a book, and you, 
And you read something, and then you, you, hold on, hold on, you got to hear this, and it goes right over your head because you're not in the story, and they are. But you know the, the food thing? And then you say, oh, you got to taste this. This is so, so good. And you cut a piece off, you reach them their fork, and they put it in their mouth, and you go like this. <laughs> you know, you're watching to see. Uh, and then they eat it, and if they go, oh, yeah, no, I don't like that. No, but if they eat it, and they go, oh, yeah, that is so good. Wish I had ordered that. Um, you know, th- this, this, this is the thing here. These, 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 this, everything was so good. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit moving in this Trinitarian dance and all of this beauty. And then they come to the conclusion and they said, this is too good for us to keep to ourselves. Let us. Isn't that interesting? Let us. Not let me. God didn't say let me. He said, let us make man in our own image. Let's Let's do something. Let, let's, let's, am I being overdramatic here this morning about this tasting the food? No, no, it's, it's let us. This is so good, so good that, that we have to share this fellowship. And that's why I created you. You were not created for anxiety. You were not created for curses to be upon your life. You were not created, you were created for something better than all of that. That's why you don't cope with it well. That's why your body doesn't cope with addiction. That's why your mind doesn't cope with depression because you were never created for it. You were created for something so better. And when he created you, this was his plan. Imagine the disruption. Imagine the disruption when sin entered the world and tore the beauty uh, out of the hand of the triune God, the beauty of his humanity out of his hand. You and I weren't made for that stuff. You were created for something better. And so they... Before there ever was sin, there was a Savior. They decide that Jesus will come and pay the price with his blood. You know the story? So Jesus comes. His blood is shed. He pays the price for your sin. He cries those words. It is finished. He rises and he conquers hell, death, and the grave. He takes back the keys of death. And because of that, because of that, you and I get an RSVP back into the VIP room. We get an RSVP right back into the VIP room. God is restoring his marred creation back into the eternal dance of fellowship with God. So this is why we're changing these words. We're not changing these words to be cool or to have something new and fresh. We're changing these words because they're down-to-earth words that will change your life for him forever to get you back to what you were created for back to the beauty. This is why they say, taste and see that the Lord is good. Welcome back to what you're made for, son. Welcome back to what you're made for, daughter. That's the most beautiful thing. We must have a plan. Listen, here's what it says in the verse. I I think this is beautiful. Not only is there a plan, but it's prepared in advance for you to do. Prepared in advance. (laughs) The, the, The work's already done. So this season for you, this, this is why we did the devotion. This is why we wrote a devotion in every chapter of the Bible. All you need to do is take one of those from the back. 15 minutes a day, we'll, we'll, 15, 20 minutes a day, we'll read it. There's a few marks on, remarks on it. There's a prayer. The, 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 the reason is if you can get a plan this year, if you can get a plan of regular devotion, regular prayer, regular meeting and community, I'll, I'll tell you what will happen. This is what will happen. You'll go through this season of your life and God will guide every footstep. 
He's promised to do that. He will direct your path. He's promised to do that. He will guide every place you take. When you seek him first, he will guide every single step of the way. If you don't, here's, here's the way you'll spend your next season. You'll spend your next season thinking, I don't know what I'm going to do next. Don't know how I'm going to cope with this. Don't know how I'm going to get through life. Don't know how I'm going to cope with this depression. Don't know how I'm going to cope with this blah, 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 blah. On and on it goes. Because we, we're not working to the plan. And, and there's something... You just end up staring into the sky. Michelangelo, who's famous for his crafting the angels out of marble, was asked one time, how, how, how do you do it? How do you, how, do you, how do you derive such beauty out of marble? Here's what he said. He says, I just see an angel inside the marble, and I chisel away everything that doesn't look like the angel. I just see an angel in the marble, and he says, I just chisel away. And, and you know what happens? God sees you in Christ Jesus as the righteousness of God, and he just starts to chisel away everything that doesn't look like him, chisels away everything that doesn't look like holiness, chisels away, if you stick to the plan, chisels away everything that doesn't look like righteousness, and something happens, you get this spiritual plan, and everything else starts to fall into place. You see, we... we, we we asked all these questions because he's calling you to oneness with him, but he's calling you to oneness with one another. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples, that you love one another. And I say this without fear of contradiction, and I hope you don't misunderstand this. Our prayer room is amazing. Our prayer room is amazing. But if that's all you got, where you just go in to pray on your own, it's not enough. If you just sit at home and watch God channel, don't start me on that for dear sex. You will die spiritually. It's got to be both hands. There's got to be the closet and there's got to be community. There's got to be the closet. There's got to be community. And as they work together, something happens. And Because people ask all kinds of questions. Like People say, how's your back? Believe you have a bad back. How's your back? Back's not bad, thanks. How's your mom? How's your, how's your kids getting on to school? How'd the summer go? Was the holiday good? All of these questions. Now, now, they're, they're, they're okay, they're okay, but in a hundred years, you're, none of us will have a back. You know, our backs will all be knackered back in a hundred years. They'll not exist. So there's more, there's bigger questions. Like, like how's your soul? Well, what about having a group of people around you that ask, how's your soul? How's your heart? How? Is there anything I could pray for you this season of your life? Anything that you're struggling with? Well, those, those are the big questions. Now listen, I'm not saying you can't have friends that don't know Jesus, because how will we ever reach them if we don't have friends like that? But if you have no godly friends, that's where the trouble begins. And you need people in your life that will ask big questions. And like, let's face it, you've got plans for everything else. Some of you have planned out the next season of Netflix. Planned what you're going to plan. You plan the next season of Game of, Game of Thrones but you haven't planned to talk to the king on the throne. These are serious things, serious, serious things. And, and so the very community you were made for, you end up missing out on. The very thing, the essence of what God created for you, because the Almighty God wants to meet with you on a daily basis. He wants such sweet communion with you, and it will happen in private and will happen in community. I couldn't tell you Grieves me a little bit, but I couldn't tell you how many people in the last 20 years that have sat in my office that have told me their world's crumbling. 
Husband's thinking of leaving. A wife's thinking of leaving. The kids aren't speaking to them. Their job's on the line. They're addicted to something and everything's about to go pear-shape. And I said to them, are you in a life group? You meet with anybody regularly? No, I've never had time for that. Never had time. Do you, would you think if we'd come into the prayer meeting? Well, it's, all, it's just time. Always time, time. Now, now here's what happens when that happens. I, my, my automatic response is we need to get around this person. We need to get around them. We need to help them. So, so we'll send them to a counselor. I'll ring Laura and we'll organize a counselor whom they've never met before. But it'll be okay. They'll journey to get to know them. I'll speak to Nicola. I say, Nicola, can, can you organize something for these people? Can you help? Is there, is there clothes we can get? Is there something we can do? And Nicola will put some people in place that they've never met, but they'll do their best to commune joy. We'll get in the gear with the pastoral care, and we'll, we'll start to look after them. We'll start to build a relationship. And it's okay. But it peels into insignificance. When you balance it up with a group, that he's been doing life with for the last year that can drive around to his house and say, hey, Freddie, we're with you this season. We got you, man. We're going to journey this with you. Just no comparison to those two issues. And I can't tell you how many times I lost track how many times I've been in there. Lastly, begin to close this up. You are his masterpiece. You are his poem. You are his handiwork to do good works. To do good works here on planet earth so that people should see the glory of God in you. I am not one of those people and believe in sacred and secular. All right? Just because I work in church and you're a school teacher or I work in church and you work in Tesco's, please don't give me that. All right, because there's, there's no divide. We all work for God. As a believer in Christ, every single one of us are here to serve God on earth. So when you go into your engineering firm in the morning, you are a poem waiting to be told. As you go into your school tomorrow, school teacher, you are a poem waiting to be told to the people around you. As you go into your office, as you go into whatever you do, you... you packing shelves in Tesco, you become the visible presence of God on earth. That's the way it works. He's no plan B to that. These hands, this mouth, these feet, this mind, that's what he's got, and that's what he'll use. It's the most incredible thing. Now, let me tell you a story. We bring this to a close. This is uh, Leonardo da Vinci's famous painting of the Savior of the world. Now, it went missing I stumbled on this story lately. I love stories. But it went missing for 50 years. Nobody knew where it was. And, um, and uh, it was revealed eventually when it was found and revealed. It went on sale and it fetched $450 million. Right? Now, what happened, how it got lost was a... Uh, 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 a historian, lady historian, bought the picture cheap. And uh, she began to realize there was something about the picture. And she began to, to work with the picture. And she knew a little bit about And it was just thought that it was probably painted by one of da Vinci's students, but not by da Vinci himself. And so 
um, she, she began to work on the picture and she began to restore it. And here's what she found. She found that over the years, other people had painted over Da Vinci's work. What had happened was a, a student had got it and thought, I could fix that a little bit better and began to paint over the work, Da Vinci's original plan. And so what happened was she went into a, an integral process to strip away all the additions and add-ons, and when, the, when, when it was complete, there was this moment of a gasp. There was this, <gasps> this is Da Vinci's original savior of the world. When, when they put it on display, you should Google this. I haven't time to show it to you. They placed a camera under it and, and, and in, in, the, in the museum where it was placed and there's about a three or four minute clip where you can watch people look at it. And people just are, there's people standing like this, people just in, in it's the most incredible, fascinating clip. But um, they say that da Vinci had a style like no other, that he, he could actually... He could move paint with his thumbs. I'm not an artist, so I'm talking about something I knew nothing about. But he's, he, he had this style, and they say that in this actual painting, if you go close to the eyes, you'll see his famous thumb stroke that's, that was his sort of trademark under the eyes that, that, that made it like da Vinci's work that no one else could actually copy. And so when they stripped it back and found it was the original, its value was set, and it was sold for $450 million. Now, there's a little video. 30, 40 second video that, that shows the process of restoration. Let's watch the video just for a moment or two. The rediscovery of a masterpiece. What if we hit September, and for those of you who have struggled your way through the summer, for those of you who have struggled your way through the last season, we help you to rediscover the masterpiece. That's why we want you to put these words not just into your hand, but into your heart that we help you rediscover the masterpiece you are. Because when God created you in, in, in His image, you were perfect, but sin came and painted over the original design. The fingerprints of the enemy got all over you. And now Jesus invites you back into fellowship, into a discipleship process which allows the fingerprints of the enemy to be removed eternally forever. And He pulls away the layers of the world and he works so intricately to strip away the layers of society and what people say about you into a beautiful restoration plan that you might be displayed as his masterpiece to, his world, to the world. You. 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 Oh, don't hurt yourself anymore. 
Don't damage your body anymore. Don't destroy his beautiful creation in any shape or form because you are his masterpiece. You are his beautiful creation. Not a horse, not a cow, not a mountain, not a tree, but you, made in his likeness. You, full of holiness. You, full of righteousness. You, full of peace. Why? So the world may see the story. So the world will be displayed and the wonder of what God has done will become a glory to him as people begin to see her. So why the plan? So he can restore you and bring you back to the original image, the one that you were created to be. That's why these words are important. That's why we want you to pack them. Sarah's going to come finish with a song. When that happens, when that process happens, when that restoration process happens, you will be priceless. You will be worth far more than $450 million that will burn up someday because that's all it'll do is just money. Here's, here, here's what the Bible says about you. Ephesians 5, 27, that Jesus will present you, the bride, the church, to himself. <laughs> I love that. To himself. He would, he'd present you. He'd say, come on. Come on, my masterpiece. Come on. You've restored. I've stripped all the layers. And in that day, here's what he'll say. You'll be presented radiant, without stain, without mistake, without a wrinkle. Imagine that. Or without any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Folks, you weren't created for the junk. You were created for the beauty. You weren't created for sin. You were created for the holiness. You weren't created for all the rubbish that's going on. You were created for the that Trinitarian dance of beauty that was so good. Jesus said and Father said and Holy Spirit said, it's too good to keep to ourselves. Let us make man in our own image. Let's make our masterpiece. One day we're going to rise to meet him. I want to give him the best. I'm sure you do too. And so as we start this journey in September, that's what we want to do. So I'd love you just to close your eyes for one minute. Our time's gone. We're going to sing a song in a moment. And the song is stir a passion in our hearts. And so if there's one prayer I want us to pray is that God will stir a passion in your heart, no matter if it's just a flickering flame at this moment. If you feel that life has stole everything from you, that's why I, I, I sat in, in my brother's house on Friday night and watched him grieving the loss of his, his, his wife of 49 years. And I, and I thought, and, and, and I said to him, Nori, isn't death an enemy? Oh, he says, Phil, it's a rat. And he says, one day it's going to be destroyed forever. And I said, praise God for that. We weren't, weren't made for grief and sorrow. <laughs> we weren't made for that. We weren't made for loss and for, 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 for death. We weren't made for that. We were made for life, eternal life, abundant life, fullness, holiness. And so with all eyes closed, if you're sensing this morning that because... 
let's, let's, let's allow the signs and wonders to follow. So if you're sensing in this room this morning that there's a call of God to do more, see, see, the layer that might be stripped away might just be busyness. might just be the busyness of life. It might just be too much stuff. Maybe as simple as that. And so I'd love our prayer ministry to pray for you this morning. But before you do, before we do that, if you're sensing God send you this morning, move into the deep end. Let's get out of the cheap seats and let's move into this. Would you jump to your feet? Stand with me. I'm standing. I'm the first one on my feet. So if you're sensing that this season, you say, Phil, I'm with you. I'm into the deep end. I'm into the deep end. No more, no more, no more cheap seats. No more, no more waiting about in the in the shallow end. It's going to take change. The, the, the air seats are costly. <laughs> they'll cost you. They will. You say, Phil, what will they cost? Well, they'll cost you everything. They'll cost you everything. That's what following Jesus does cost you everything. Is it worth it? Oh yeah, it's worth it a million times over. It's worth it a million times over. So Father, for the people who are standing in this room right now, I pray God for your conviction and your power and your anointing to rest and abide on them like never before. As we move from the cheap seats into the costly seats, as we move out of the the, 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 the shallow end of just playing around with the kids <laughs> to end of the deep end of, of the strokes and the power and the kicking and the swimming into the eternal greatness into the eternal dance with the Father, with the Son with the Holy Spirit following His eternal plan getting ourselves into the Word getting ourselves into prayer getting ourselves into life group, into allowing other people to speak into our lives and in depths of accountability to challenge our souls. Father, may that be the case. In Jesus' mighty, mighty, strong, eternal name we pray it. Amen. Let's all stand. Let's sing this as our closing prayer and then I'll just say a quick prayer and we're done. Dave's going to be on tonight at 6.30. Dave's going to do similar, just light a fire for a new season, stir our hearts, motivate us to get into the deep end. So uh, looking forward to that at 6.30. Let's sing the stir of passion in my heart. Thanks, sir. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.